This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode was underwritten by Tamsin G Association and Stephanie Powers. To learn more about ways to support Oh My Dollar and get cool perks like exclusive live streams and cat stickers, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. And today, we are wrapping up Healthcare Month with a awesome interview with Dan Weissman. We've devoted multiple episodes this month to untangling the mess of money confusion in healthcare. And I think this one is not actionable. This is more about the stories and complex issues that go into healthcare. So I think it'll be interesting, even if you are a non-American listener. Dan Weisman is a veteran reporter for outlets like Marketplace, 99% Invisible, Planet Money, and Chicago's WBEZ. His work reflects sophisticated reporting, an engaging narrative voice, and a knack for snappy, accurate breakdowns of complex subjects from urban segregation to the economics of America's largest crop to the engineering miracles that turned the Chicago River into a sewer. And he lives in Evanston, Illinois with his family. And I'm really excited because you've got a new show coming out. Thank you. Yes, yes. It's called An Arm and a Leg. It's a show about the cost of healthcare. This is uh, so you're making the show that I want to make. Um, <laughs> longtime listeners of Oh My Dollar know that there's been kind of a running joke between my producer Will and I that I'm going to start a second podcast called Lily Rants About Healthcare. <laughs> um, and I think you are doing the more professional, better job <laughs> of that show that I don't have. So there's uh, I think there's room for more than one. Uh, it's a big enough. <laughs> It is a big enough. It's a big subject. Oh my right? god! Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and you're you're kind of. We've been having Healthcare Month all all season um, for the you know entire entirety of October through November. We've been having Healthcare Month on the Oh My Dollar Show, and we're, we're wrapping it up with you. Um, Thank you so, so much no for pressure. having me and doing this. That's great. <laughs> um, and your show just launched uh, on November thirteenth, so it's fresh. Yeah, yeah, we're right out of the gate. All right. So tell me a little bit about how you decided that you wanted to start the show and started reporting on healthcare. Like it is a tough topic and it's really complex and there's a lot going on to it. What made you want to actually tackle that issue? Well, I wanted to to, to be reporting on this topic for years because it's the biggest story, it, the most important story. And it's kind of an everything story, right? It's like a it's a story about it's kind of a it's a business story and it's a politics story. But most importantly, it's a very intimate story for really everybody, 
right? Like what, like when you are sick or you have a health problem or someone you love does, someone you who might be your parent or your child or your spouse or your best friend, and we all have this, like, and they have, and there's a financial question about what's going to happen you know, can we afford the the care that we need? Can we get the care that we need because of money? Are we going to be wiped out financially by getting the care that we need? And will it actually? Be? I mean, all that stuff. I mean, those are the most dramatic, crazy story, which we're all familiar with, partly because we all like we're all living. A, yeah, we're humans, and we're all it. disintegrating slowly, right? Because we're made of this meat bag. That we walk around. <laughs> well, that's so healthcare. That's true. It, I mean, the, not caring about healthcare is a temporary condition for most humans. That's that's <laughs> right? for sure. And you know, in this country, um, caring about your health and what how, kind of healthcare, what our healthcare system looks like, is a hundred percent tied for everybody, maybe except members of Congress who have the world's best health plan. Um, it's immediately, it's completely tied to your other big questions about your financial life. Because, you know, God forbid you stub your toe and you go to the ER and you get hit with a surprise umpteen thousand dollar bill, like that kind of stuff. Yep. We, we read those stories and we know those stories because because they come to us on our Facebook feed because people we love have to put up GoFundMe campaigns when they get sick. I mean, that's a, it's so, just like like it's in, it's inescapable. And it's so like as a reporter, it's also just like, well, that's a juicy story, partly because of all the human drama and partly because like – What's going on behind the scenes there? Like, how'd it get like that? That sounds kind of interesting. Um, the, so, so there's, I mean, there's, it's those, it's those two sides of it. I've been like, oh man, can someone please let me at this? Because this is like, <laughs> like what? I, I don't know. Like, it's fascinating. It's important. Um, and I think that there's zero shortage of stories. Um, like, and there, and it could, it just, they just couldn't be more important. It, I feel like it's one of those things where you can walk down any street and ask someone a question about healthcare, and they will have some intensely personal story, right? In in America, because because it is just it ends up it, it's such a broken system, it's so broken in the U.S. that everybody knows someone that's been screwed by it, and it, it's across all income levels. Um, oh, yeah. It's a, you know it's across so many demographics. It's it's not just a question of. You know, you can get a lot of opinions on the minimum wage if you go to rich people or you go to poor people, um, <laughs> and then a bunch of people in the middle that have maybe less opinions on it. But healthcare is really one of those things that crosses a lot of demographics, just because it is so broken. Well, it was one of the things that really decided me to do the show. Was you know, I was I was like, hmm, uh, this sounds like kind of a crazy idea. Maybe I should ask some people to talk me out of it. And just when I just started talking to people about the show, the idea of doing it, everybody had a story. Right, my friend Nyla who's a great uh, radio host and reporter. I had just asked her for advice. She was like, well, you know, I've spent the last year, you know, under treatment for breast cancer. And, like, there were some surprises, right? There was, like, uh, like before – and she had, like – she was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 41. Uh, and she had – they did the, everything, uh, chemo, radiation, surgery, everything, partly because it's, like, you're 41. Um, yeah, you when you're sure so young, though. Back. But, like, so they did everything, and she has – Great insurance. She's a state employee. And, you know, tons of surprises, right? Like like before, like just after the biopsy, before the actual surgery, somebody comes up to her and is like, hey, she gets a bill and it's like, hey, you owe us 6000 6, bucks. And she's like, what the I hell? think we actually have a clip of this. So we'll we'll play this qu- clip that you have the conversation you had with her. Sure, yeah. I would log online. It would say, you've met your deductible. And then I huh. called them and they were like, oh, well, we don't actually really know if you've met your deductible. And I was like, what? What? 
And they were like, well, you've just had so many bills. We assume you've met it. I was just like, what? Yeah. I mean, that's this is after she gets all these surprises. There's the there's the they're like, we don't know if you've met your deductible. And then there's also like this isn't even counting like the battle she was still having when I talked with her, which went on for like a year about whether they were going to reimburse her for the wig she bought when her hair fell out. Like it's just and she and that but Nyla's, you know, says at you know at the end of our time she's like well you know but i had a good experience because you know i know women my uh, right, age yeah. who who you know had to do gofundme to to pay for their chemo well and so and gofundme now i think is the is technically like the second largest healthcare funder in the country oh now <laughs> at this point which is which is terrifying because oh. and that you know that's based on a on a a, a rough assessment of of okay. how many are in the medical tag and the total amount and and they've done a post on that which is which is kind of terrifying yeah. um and and it's and this was terrifying. like you know, I'm I'm just of the generation. I'm an older millennial, so I'm of the generation where uh, that the ACA hadn't passed yet for uh, you know the beginning of my working mm-hmm. career, and none of my friends had health insurance. Everybody I know worked in like nonprofits mm-hmm. or you know ran Etsy businesses because I live in Portland <laughs> and everybody you know runs a goat farm or whatever. Um. And I didn't know. I knew almost no one with health insurance, but I was also engaged in like things where people ended up screwing themselves up regularly, like racing children's bikes down hills in the middle of the night, which is <laughs> what I spent most of my early 20s doing on Sunday nights. Yeah, and like you do. I, yeah. I ran so many punk rock shows yeah. to pay for medical bills for people. Yeah. And there was this belief that when the ACA passed, that would stop. Mm. And in fact, it's actually just become more professionalized with like mm. GoFundMes and everything mm. as I no longer have to find a band to play yeah. in someone's basement. Yeah. But the the expectation that things would be solved with healthcare reform when we didn't reform the cost controls at the, we didn't we didn't reform the system. We, we, we put in a lot of stop gaps that have improved things a little bit. Like I can get insurance now, which is great. Um, but, it, 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 we didn't we didn't fix it right <laughs> no and no and I mean, so many people keep wondering why if you don't dive deep into this and go into very specific policies it's easy to be like but i thought we fixed this yeah i don't know i've, I've been fascinated by this for long enough when the aca passed i was like well that's that's good i mean you know do those things right yeah do those things but like we're i mean the whole thing is so crazy yeah it's just um there's way more that you know, that's a that was a, you know, the kind of best the best that the people who voted for it thought they could get away with passing um, best meaning yep. like that wouldn't wouldn't subject themselves to kind of political attacks that they didn't think they could survive. And, you know, I, as it as it happened, a lot of them didn't survive it. Right. The 2010 elections were a giant wave election that crushed. Democrats who voted for Obamacare largely because they voted for it. That was a big, yep. big factor. And so that's, you know, the politics, like, you know, the policy is one thing, the politics are another thing. And then we get to the actual stories and the money. But like, but that's the, like, how, like, why are the politics like they are? Like the ACA, when it passed, I mean, my, I was like, man, well, yeah, good, do those things. But like, um, yeah, we got a lot. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah. So I, one thing that I find really interesting is um, 
looking at kind of in in the wake of what are rising and kind of outrageous healthcare costs and and a, a lot of opaqueness in the system as far as how much things cost are like the ways that people are getting healthcare when the market is unaffordable for them. Mm-hmm. So it obviously it varies a ton by state. Access to insurers, your location in many zip codes in my state, uh, you you know you only have one option for an insurer and. Uh, and so you're really stuck with whatever the market rate that they've decided to set. Um, but you've you've done some reporting on interesting ways that people are trying to get health care without going through the traditional insurance route because they've been priced out of the market. And this isn't just low, low income people. This isn't just free clinic. What are some of the interesting things that you've seen folks do? Well, I'd say there's two there's two stories that are, are especially interesting. I mean, they're all interesting. All of us are. I mean, you know, this is when you're when you say like every you can walk down any street, like it is 100 percent true. Like nobody's happy. Nobody's satisfied. And so and everybody's scared. Right. Like you have a good like if you if you're lucky enough to have a good plan now, like my wife says, if you have the right kind of job uh, with like really great benefits, it's like you live in Sweden. Right. Yeah. Um, But, you know, people are worried. People who live in Sweden worry that like. Sweden's going to reform and and turn into the United States or that or that they'll they'll get kicked out of Sweden somehow. It's not like it's not pretty. So the two stories that I would, I would mention though are one um a woman I know posted to Facebook a friend of mine um a few months ago that uh, she's like this is my dirty secret. I'm on Medicaid. Um and it's the best insurance I've ever had. Mm. And and one of the questions, one of the conversations, like we talked, and one of the one of the in, one of the questions I asked her was like, "Well, why is that a dirty secret? Why does that make you feel dirty? Why did you feel like that? You had to preface it that way." And she was like, "Yeah, dude, that's deep. Um, I mean, she, she's much more articulate than that, but there, there's a, you know, there. I'm gonna just bracket that and her story and tell her story, which is, uh, her husband's the CEO of a startup, and the startup went through a really rocky period where there just wasn't money to pay the founders and you know they they you know bridged it and the and the exchange well the it, it actually ties in the story like this went on for more than a year and so in fall of 2016 i guess they went on the obamacare exchange in michigan where they now live and uh it was like you guys are eligible for medicaid and they were like no 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 oh no we couldn't oh couldn't possibly um but then the following year, the change was again was like, you, y'all are eligible for Medicaid. And they were like, yeah, OK, yeah, because they couldn't like the, the insurance that they had been paying for, you know, the price went up and they just could mm-hmm. not afford it. And, you know, what she found, the second part was super interesting, which was that it was the best insurance they'd ever had. Like, you know, they had medical incidents. They went and saw doctors. They got fixed and they did not have to pay. You know, they didn't have to work. They 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 worried until they got the statements and they were like, oh, we're going to be OK. That wasn't a financial yep. catastrophe for us. And and they'd had some experience with this before when they lived in Chicago. Um, similarly, they'd been in a kind of, you know, poor position um, for a year and they'd they'd put their kids on um, on chip, which is mm-hmm. the kind of program for insured to insure children's kids, health insurance program yeah insure them and um and they found it was like a nightmare they lived on the north side of chicago and basically that's a big that's a the market for healthcare in chicago is such that and on the north side is such that you know one tier of doctors 
is like, no, we don't take Medicaid. What are you talking about? We need that Blue Cross reimbursement rate. And so they just don't take CHIP. And, you know, so yep. then to find a doctor that took CHIP was a hike and a hassle. And they would show up and, like, you know, the medical care wasn't so great. And it was and it was kind of a depressing experience to be, like, to find themselves, like, shunted. Like, those are the equivalent of, like, yeah, you show up at the clinic and, like, this is what it is. And it's like, wow, this is some tough stuff. And where they now live um, in Traverse City, Michigan, it's a tourist area. Um, and so during the summer, it's flooded with rich people. And the rest of the year, it's not a rich place. It's, it, you know, the majority of people who live there year round don't have a lot of money at all. It's not at all uncommon mm-hmm. to be on Medicaid. Um, and so if you're operating a medical practice in Traverse City, Michigan, you take Medicaid. You take Medicaid. Yeah, yeah, all the doctors take Medicaid. So that was one story of just like this was our, you know, and we, we and that, that it was, you know, another nine months before she posted it to Facebook when we talked. She was like, yeah, and you know what? Like, I have this conversation when I bring someone into my circle of trust and tell them this. Uh, I often hear like, yeah, me too, man. So that's yep. one. It's just like there's a, you know, the, and the, one of the things, like when I interviewed her, I was like, do you worry? You know, she's very politically progressive. And um, and I said, do you worry that by um, by telling this story, that you're, you're, you know, the mom in a family, you know, the parents have advanced degrees, dad has an MBA, you own a home, you know, you're, you know, you look like, you know, middle class, upper middle class people, uh, and you say you're on Medicaid, do you worry that that's like politically giving ammunition to people who are like, well, we shouldn't have Medicaid, look at these, like the hipsters on food stamps yep. and the, the MBAs on Medicaid, yeah, screw this. Um, she was like, yeah, I kind of do. That's a a thing. Yeah. Well, and and so Medicaid, the eligibility for Medicaid is based on monthly income, and Mm. everything else in the exchange is based on annual income. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, which is particularly fun if you have variable income. Yeah, right. Myself and Will do. Uh. Um, And Uh. and the other thing is that it's based on income, not on net worth or assets. Mm -hmm. And so food stamps is one of those things where state by state, the the assets for SNAP, um, which is another name for food stamps, is determined by your monthly income, but it's also your assets. So in most states, you can't have more than $2,000 in the bank. Oh, interesting. um, And uh, after your first car and your first home, um, your assets are counted. And uh, that is simply not true for Medicaid. And a large part of that has to do with the fact that medical care, it's a lot different than groceries, right? Like both are essential and necessary for being a human, but you are not (laughs) going to wake, you're not going to, you're not going to wake up with a $500,000 grocery bill all of a sudden and not know how you got it. But it's entirely possible to go into the hospital because you've got a pain in your side and then get an appendectomy and be looking at a six figure bill. Um, You know, you don't, you're not like, you don't go to the grocery store hungry and then walk out with a $100,000 card of groceries that you didn't ask for. And, um, and, it, and so Medicaid is one of those interesting situations because you actually do see, um, I see this a lot in the early retirement community, uh, there's a lot of folks that are, you know, in their 30s and have, you know, assets in in the millions mm-hmm. and they qualify for Medicaid because mm-hmm. they don't have a monthly income above the Medicaid threshold. Oh, that's and there's a lot of guilt about that simply because it's frustrating to see someone um, you know, someone in my position, which is like, mm-hmm. I don't make a ton of money, but I make more than the Medicaid limit. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I make 22,000 a year ish, 
give or take. Mm. And the Medicaid limit is sixteen thousand mm. um, in in Oregon. Um, but I I have friends. <laughs> that have net worths literally a hundred times mine yeah. <laughs> and uh, they uh you know they they are on medicaid in their state and so it's kind of a question of like if this system is so broken where by trying to do the best thing uh because cost control is so out of uh, so opaque and so out of control mm-hmm. that it makes the most sense to do it based on monthly income mm-hmm. but then it kind of creates this situation where uh you know we wouldn't Anyway, we talk about this all the time in the show. It's easy to go bankrupt from medical care. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, in the U.S., right. Um, And uh, it's the growing the growing cause of bankruptcy in this country. Um, Luckily, now it can't be included on your credit report, um, uh, which is new. Hmm. Um, But it's uh, anyway. So okay, <laughs> we we've talked about we've talked about the middle class guilt of qualifying qualifying for medica- mm-hmm, Medicaid, mm-hmm. Um, but there there's some other interesting ways. So there's there's plenty of people f- for which their income is high enough that they don't even qualify for the right, subsidy right, um, right. on the exchange. Right. But the prices are just kind of out of control. And one of the things that I find interesting that I know you've done some reporting on is the concierge doctor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, this is the other story that I would I that comes to mind is this woman Barry Tesler. She's a financial therapist. She runs a course called The Art of Money, and she posted to Facebook, um, which is kind of like so she's a she's an actual therapist, and her her deal is that she her thesis is like we don't um, money is like sex and other big adult topics that like most of us need therapy around because we the messages mm-hmm. that we got as kids were so weird and conflicting and it's a it's a genuinely tough thing to figure out your stance on and so that's that's her approach she's also a trained she's also trained as a bookkeeper and you know she's written a book she runs this online course she's done a lot of things and she uh she posted to her facebook community um early this year like hey does anybody have a, a good suggestion for affordable sustainable health insurance uh, my the people that I in my community really need it, and she was like, and you know I do too, and so yeah, she was uh she was she had had it. She was like she looked at the bill for their health insurance for their family, and they were like, this is too crazy. And so they, in her case, it was a little bit of a choice. Um, you know they they could have continued to pay, but she was like, we got to get some other. This is too this this is too much, and so they um did two things, and one was they bought into, um a kind of concierge practice, which is in their case, um, they pay something like 225 bucks a month, which is real money. And, but then it's like all in, um, you know, it's like, a, it's like the Cracker Barrel. It's like the all you can eat uh, buffet of, of, of regular medical care where, you, you know, you just call, you show up um, and you're already, you've already paid. And she said they, that practice uh, handles, claims to handle 70% of what you might go to the ER for. And mm, you know, and I didn't if, realize it was yeah. quite that high. Yeah, and I mean, so probably no appendectomies, but right. any sutures or something like that. Yeah, you know, you need an X-ray because uh, that that you generally you go see your internist. They don't have an X-ray machine on on site, right? They're going to send you someplace. Right. You need blood work. You need you know, it's. I mean, in that way, it's a little bit like it sounds. It sounds like an HMO. Right. Right. Um. Except uh, unless you have to go to the hospital. Um. And so for that. They have um, they've done this very interesting thing, which is they've bought into uh, what's called a Christian health share. And you may have talked about this on your show, too. It's a, it's this thing that's become more of a thing 
recently where it's not technically one it's not technically insurance like, right. I think their tagline is it's like it's Christian sharing in healthcare costs. Yeah, right. In ministry right. or something. And and it and it's not insurance, which means it's not regulated by states like insurance. And yeah. and, and the big thing is the reason it has Christian in the name. It's it's actually oh, yeah. existed way before the ACA, but the reason one of the reasons it was growing is that there is a religious exemption mm-hmm. to the ACA mm-hmm. that allows you to not pay the penalty. If you're opting out for uh, religious, religious reasons. reasons. Right. Oh, that's and so these Christian health sharing ministries have ro- risen and they're, they're only Christian. Um, I, I haven't seen uh, health sharing ministries that exist for other religions, even though theoretically that would be supported by this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, the, you know, their Christian thing is like, oh, we have these prayer networks that, you know, uh-huh. you, you can you can have a prayer chain or whatever. Um, right. But the. But the big thing is that, like, it, what it is supposed to help you cover is uh, it's catastrophic insurance, right, theoretically. But they have no guarantee of what they're necessarily going to cover. Right. And um, they can deny you based on anything they want. So similar to the short-term health insurance that's uh, unregulated, they can deny you based on pre-existing conditions. In general, they say they will do that. So one of the big things with short-term mm-hmm. health insurance, it's very, very hard to get coverage. If you are pregnant or expecting a child, you will almost be guaranteed to be rejected but the christian health sharing ministry is a big fan of babies um and so (laughs) it it for a lot of people it can end up making sense for covering um pregnancy and they kind of structure it a lot like insurance where it'll have like deductibles blah 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 blah. Um, but the big thing is that they can reject anything they want so uh one of the big things is that because they are religiously based they can just decide to reject something if they think it doesn't fit with their beliefs so they won't cover things like prep or um uh, drugs for hiv AIDS and they can just outright reject you if they don't think it fits with a what they consider a Christian lifestyle so you need to be able to go to church once a week um, and uh, that you know that's that's a and you can't go to any church you need to be going to a you know Christian church um, and also if they decide that it someone was living an unchristian life which caused so if you get hit by a drunk driver they would just refuse to you know cover those medical bills from that because they would say it's uh, not a Christian lifestyle that resulted in that medical case and so that's one of the big things is that it can be good catastrophic coverage for a lot of folks Mm. but you don't have any of those protections that you do with an ACA plan and so a lot of people have kind of cobbled those together yeah yeah that that, that's been their experience I mean I I think you know my impression uh is that at least in many cases they're fans of babies and do a lot of pregnancy coverage but only if you are in a heterosexual marriage oh oh yeah no you can't even be in it yeah. If you're not like you can't you uh, single mamas need not apply. Yeah. Um, and uh, so and let alone a uh, gay couple. So like I, I would just literally not be allowed on one of these yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, for yeah. uh, for so many reasons, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the reasons that we don't tend to tout them as an alternative, because most of our listeners would just not, um, you know. I know a little bit about my listeners, and I know most of them would not qualify for what uh, they are describing as a Christian lifestyle under these Christian health sharing ministries. But they've been really big in the South. I mean, mm-hmm. they've they've been around for a long time as sort of an alternative. Um, a lot of evangelical Christian families tend to have a lower um, lower household income mm-hmm. overall. Um, part of that is that they tend to have large families, um, and uh, really dev- and and also tend to live in the South, which generally have lower incomes. They do have lower cost of living. Um, and so Christian health sharing ministries have been very popular among uh, evangelical Christians for a long time. But the ACA and that combination of the government can't tell me what health care to get 
uh, combined with the lack of expansion of Medicaid for that would have covered low-income families in um, a lot of red states has really pushed these through. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no, it's super. It's in, it's so super much intersecting things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Fun, fun, fun note about uh, Barry Tatsler's story is that uh, in her case, Barry's Jewish, and um, mm. and progressive. You know, and, and I asked her like, and in fact, like, you know, in her book, she writes about how she learned to learned about money and like the what who were the people who gave her kind of what she considers positive messages that like about about having money about like what you can do with it about how to make it and the and you know for her those were that was her uncle um was it two uncles who owned a very successful string of gay bars in chicago (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so i wonder what gay bars i've probably been to them (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i mean they're you, you certainly know them i mean i i know them they're they're you know they're great places and you know, and so I was like, well, so Barry, how do you square that with your, um, you know, uh, with signing up to say like, yes, I'm going to follow your Christian. Uh, I agree with your Christian principles. She's like, well, you know, we're going to have to we're just going to we're kind of squinting a little bit, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is that this is one of those things where uh, it, it's all fine until you really need it. And mm-hmm. and that's one of the fears, which is exactly what happened with health insurance pre ACA and still does happen today, where you know, you'll be like, oh, it's it's fine. Or like, oh, I got approved for coverage. Mm-hmm. But then if you start to become expensive, they start to sniff around. Oh, yeah. And the Christian health sharing ministries are going to do the same yeah. where they're going to sniff around and be like, mm, so you had a bat mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> and right, yeah. uh, so we don't need to cover this $60,000 bill that you got for chemo. Right. Um, yeah. And the. Or, you know, like, oh, that partner's name that we did not realize had an F instead of an M next to it. Uh, mm. Yeah. You know, and mm. and that I mean, the same thing happens with these short term health insurance plans, yeah. which uh, they'll approve you for coverage. And then suddenly you become expensive and they go. So you had a doctor's appointment five years ago where you may have had some symptoms of lymphoma. So we've decided that's a pre-existing yeah, condition and right. we're not going to cover any of your lymphoma bills, oh which God. is the entire reason that you got this plan is for yeah. something catastrophic like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the big fears is that we were trying to solve that with regulation, but we didn't solve the cost control issues. So yeah. anyway, yeah, uh, so many feelings. We're just covering so many feelings. OK, <laughs> I wanted to talk. We... We've got more than enough tape. Um, but <laughs> one of the things that I want to talk about, um, because I, I know that you're interested in it and I talk about it a lot on this program because it, it affects me, is um, one of the really frustrating things is folks that make a decent income and are otherwise healthy except for one pre-existing condition mm-hmm. that's managed by expensive drugs. Mm-hmm. And this class of drugs is generally biologicals. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be something like chemo. So believe it or not, someone with cancer can be otherwise pretty healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on the type of cancer. And mm-hmm. um, uh, But chemo is very expensive. Those drugs are very expensive. Uh, your friend with breast cancer, I was just thinking about the wigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was on a I was on a relatively cheap drug, but one of the side effects, it's also used as a chemo drug in a different quantity. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the side effects is that you can lose your hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm Greek. I, my hair is everywhere. <laughs> and uh, I w- needed folic acid as a supplement for it. And folic acid is a very common supplement mm-hmm. for people on chemo because it can uh, help you retain some of your hair Mm -hmm. and it is considered a cancer drug even though it is over the counter Mm. it's just folic acid Mm -hmm. it's like in it's in bananas yeah it's like um yeah yeah and uh it was outrageously expensive over the counter 
because it's in this class where it's considered a cancer drug. Mm. And mm. so it was cheaper for me to order my folic acid from Canada. So smart. <laughs> even though it's yeah. over the counter. Yeah. Um, and and pay import taxes on mm-hmm. it than it was to get it from the pharmacy across the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One story, not from my reporting, but somebody else's reporting, is like, yeah, I fly to a border town in California and walk across the border to Tijuana and buy my drugs and walk back. Mm-hmm. And then the and the, the airfare and the days off from work, uh, that more that, I, like, it, it's still an extremely good deal. yeah. So that's um, a, yeah, that's and a we talked a little bit. We talked a little bit about that in the dental episode because mm-hmm. we, dental is also really expensive and mm-hmm. not at all regulated in the states mm-hmm. as far as uh, costs. Uh, so, like people like me are exactly the kind of folks that are, are going to be impossible to be covered by any of these kind of alternatives mm-hmm. outside of the plan. Mm-hmm. And so we're really, really stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really, really stuck in whatever the exchange rate is. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen? Any kind of interesting solutions that people have had? <laughs> have you seen people move states to get access to health insurance in different markets or anything? Not yet, but if you got a story, call me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hell of a story. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah, no, I mean that that's. I mean, the, there is a story uh, that we that that's in our first batch that, that came out yesterday, where a woman um, couldn't get insurance through any job where she lived in Austin, Texas. Mm. And she was, uh, uh, she had spent 20, the better part of 20 years waiting for a drug to come out in the United States to treat this horrible medical condition that she had. Um, Mm. And it had finally become available and she'd finally gotten her first dose and now her family was about to lose their insurance. She went and took a job out of state. um, Oh yeah. While her husband was uh, in intensive treatment for cancer um and while her son was adjusting this was the other news they got the same month to life with type 1 diabetes that he had just gotten um diagnosed with um so their daughter like finished high school took care of dad and their dogs and herself while mom like newly able to like function really um for the first time thanks to this drug like was working a hundred hours a week for the next year and a half um the other side of that story, the other piece of that story that makes it so amazing is that uh, in doing so, she also changed the course of history. It's a hell of a mm. story. It's a really great story. It's an amazing story. And it's, it's, I mean, it's one of the, one of the rules for this show is that the stories, uh, they got to be good stories and they, they, they can't just be horror stories because we are all so <laughs> horrified. Um, all We're already time. horrified by healthcare. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's all so it's it's just you know it's you know the the way the rule I made earlier was like this this the stories have to be more you know fascinating and potentially helpful um, and maybe entertaining than they are enraging and horrifying and depressing because yep. we got the we got the rage and horror and depression everywhere. Um, you don't need my show for that. Um, so, but there, but I think you know the the pitch is like, look, um, we're all screwed, but we're together, and the more we know, uh, the more we might be able to do, and uh, and just having good company, like it's like we're walking through enemy territory together, and we just we should we should stick together. And I'm a, you know as a reporter, I'm a pretty good scout, and so that's kind of my role. Um, I'm 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 looking around the next corner, but I'm not a guide. Like, you know, as you as you're figuring out and talking to me, there's a ton I don't know, at least not yet. 
Um, but I think that's most of us. We're like all blind people with this giant elephant, this giant terrifying, befanged, venomous elephant, um, right? And we got to like get our get our picture of it together. Um, yeah, and it's, both both it's... in the both in the immediate like, what are things we can do? Like, how how much does it cost to fly to the to fly to that border town near Tijuana? Like from where I live, and in the um, in the bigger picture. I'm really excited for the show, and uh, that's a little taste of the kind of things that you can learn about. Um, I'm going to ask you one not big question as the final wrap question, Dan. Okay. Which is, what is one thing you wish everyone knew about healthcare policy in America? My God. I know. Just not a big, not a big question at all. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's very different from my. Uh, this isn't really show about policy, and I'm not a policy expert. Um, this is a, you know, this is, I, I'm one guy trying to figure out as much as I can, um, with everybody I can get in touch with by doing a podcast and by being a reporter, um, you know, that, that to engage as big a public as I can to learn as much as I can and figure stuff out. Like I'm not a policy expert. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy. Um, but I'm, I'm so, like, I'm like, you know, I'm learning. And uh, you, you know, wish want... people heard the stories more than you wish they understood the policy. It sounds like. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we all have stories. I, I don't I mean, yeah. I, I, I wish, I wish we could all. I mean, this is my wish for the show. Is like, I wish we could like get together, and you know, yeah. swap stories and take comfort in each other's company, and and swap advice and like figure out our best tricks. But, like, also just encourage each other that, like, we, you know, we are screwed, but we're not alone. And yep. and the more we can be not alone together in this, you know, just the more hope we have. Like, this is this is a genuinely messed up situation that we're all in and that we don't have an ongoing conversation about. Like, what you're doing on your show is awesome. And, you know, what I'm aiming to do you know is similarly like look we, we this is a, these are conversations we don't get to have enough and we're this is a this is how we're beginning and i'm you know i'm a story guy i'm starting with stories let's see where it goes all right well i'm super excited about the show um and if people want to find it they just look for an arm and a leg wherever they get podcasts right for sure and, and we're we've got a website called arm and a leg show.com awesome yeah all right well, Dan, it's been a delight to have you on to unpack the terrifying maze that is health insurance and our relationship to it. Thank you so much uh, for having me. It's been so fun. Yeah, thank you so much. And congrats on the launch of the show. Thank and uh, I can't wait to hear more of the episodes as it unfolds. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that was certainly really interesting. Um, I'm really glad that Dan came on the show to join us. And uh, I'm happy he's making the podcast that I wanted to make because, you know, he's more professional and smarter than me. So I think that wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. And I'm Lillian Carbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thank you for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. 
for the ones who get it done.